0: Democrats and other smirking blithermeisters have been having a hard time calling Islamic terrorists Islamic terrorists. They don't want to seem to be running down a religion that isn't even Christianity. So today, as a public service to our friends on the left, we here at The Daily Wire would like to suggest 10 alternative names that Democrats can use when those whatchamacallums try to murder us in the name of whooses. Number one, the other enemies of Western civilization— Names Democrats can... All right, I'll, <laughs> I'll go slow just so you can keep up. Number two, five guys named Mo, plus a million other guys also named Mo. Number three, people who would be perfectly nice except they bought the wrong book at the religion store. Number four, bearded psychos whose God rhymes with holla. Number five, people who never learned to love their neighbors as themselves for some reason. Number six, people who are rejected and excluded and despised by European nations so that they're exactly like the Jews, except for the fact that they kill everybody and never invent anything. Number seven, guys you shouldn't stand too close to if they say anything that ends with Akbar. Number eight, religious people who aren't Christians, Hindus, Buddhists, Jews, or civilized human beings. Number nine, musketeers. (laughs) that's a nice one i like that you know we were murdered by some musketeers it almost sounds like fun number 10 people we don't want to name in the hope they'll slaughter us last trigger warning i'm andrew clavin and this is the andrew clavin show trying to help, a <laughs> helpful, helpful service to our friends on the left. All right, Economics 101. You know, last night I went out and had a couple of drinks with an old friend of mine who I always, I always like to see him for a number of reasons. One, he's an old friend of mine, but also because, unlike me, he's a money guy. And he, you know, he was a money manager and, and he worked in the oil business for a long time. And when we talk politics, he describes things in an entirely different way because he actually knows about the economy. You know, and this is, you know, Shapiro is always saying facts don't care about your feelings. The economy is one of the facts that doesn't care about your feelings. So if you know something about the economy, then you're not just saying, ooh, I like this guy or I like that guy who's running for office. You actually know what they're talking about. So that's why you need to take Economics 101 from Hillsdale College. Economics 101 from Hillsdale College is a free course that you can take right now when you go to hillsdale.edu slash Andrew liberals, if they go there, would learn that the if they would go there, if they would only go there, would learn that government-down economic policy is all wrong for America and that the free market is the only thing that will save our economy. Self-proclaimed conservatives will learn why big import tariffs and mass deportations will crumble our economy. So get educated. Sign up for Hillsdale College's Economics 101 for free at hillsdale.edu slash Andrew and you get a new lesson every week right in your inbox from Hillsdale professors you have to set them let them out so they can and feed them occasionally because otherwise things are bad all right we're back show number 101 people. <laughs> we, got, we got a little out of hand yesterday uh, some people one guy, one guy commented that he thought I had been drinking before the show it's like 10 a.m here so I'd only had a few and <laughs> Like, well, we'll try to be much, much more serious. Because once again, here we are at ground zero in the battle for conservatism. The Daily Wire is is like, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm the still center of the storm. I, I am the one who kind of just remains the same throughout. I have been getting hammered from the time I saw you yesterday to today. I have been getting absolutely hammered. My emails, Twitter, everything. Because I'm a mean, nasty Trump basher. You know, and this is, we're, we're all getting this here. We are, are all getting this here. And one guy said to me, actually, the most polite guy, he he said to me, why can't you be like these other, he named some other right-wing commentators, who aren't coming down on either side? You know, they're kind of weaving in and out, and they're keeping from saying, you know, from condemning Trump, and they say they they— you know, they may not endorse him, but they don't say anything against him. And the reason let me let me explain what the situation is, okay? Remember, remember when you remember when you wanted to date this stripper, and all your friends were saying to you, Great idea. Oh, cool, I envy you so much. This is gonna be great. And you had like one friend like named like Melvin, you know, this guy with glasses with tape, a band-aid holding his glasses together. And Melvin said, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe it's not such a good idea to date a stripper, you know. And you thought ah, Melvin, he's such... A, and you got angry at him because you wanted... You wanted so bad. You know, so you got angry. He Melvin, he's an idiot. You don't look at him. He's silly. He doesn't, nobody likes him. He's unpopular and all this stuff. And then, you know, you date the stripper and you wake up in a Mexican city you've never heard of with no pants and no money and you're $100,000 in debt to the mafia and they're banging on your door and they've got a buzzsaw, right? And so they hang you up upside down from the shower curtain and rip the buzzsaw. You know, start starts grind You know, you think, you know, maybe... Maybe I should have listened to Melvin. He was actually a good friend. And that's we here at the Daily Wire are Melvin. We are telling you, do not do this thing. Do not do this thing. And we are just, we're not, we're not gonna back down. We're just gonna keep it up because we're your real friends. We are the real friends. Even you know, there some of this stuff all right so we're talking about Corey lewandowski you know and and this other thing where the where he's insulting ted cruz's wife with a nasty picture of her you know you can catch anybody at a bad moment she's a very attractive woman ted cruz's wife and they, he caught her at this bad moment and tweeted retweeted i guess a picture of his wife who's a model and his third wife right or fourth wife whatever it is and Cruz's wife, and basically saying my wife is beautiful, Cruz's wife is ugly. That was basically his response, and this he claims was a response to someone who was not Cruz, who was just an anti-Trump super PAC blasting out a a GQ, a Gentleman's Quarterly picture of her of Trump's wife naked. So this was his response was he was going to attack Ted Cruz's wife. So the, first, there's that. Now this is even got. Some of Trump's fans, Ann Coulter was on a show with Milo Yiannopoulos. Both of them, Ann and Milo, both big Trump fans. And <laughs> Coulter says, um, "This is a transcript." She says, "I'm a little testy with our man right now." And Yiannopoulos says, "Are you? Daddy's annoyed you because <laughs> Milo, Milo, who is fla- you know flagrantly gay, calls calls Trump Daddy. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know." <laughs> Coulter says, "Our candidate is mental." Anne is just, oh, the light bulb goes on. The light bulb goes on. Hey, our candidate is mental. Do you realize our candidate is mental? It's like constantly having to bail out your 16-year-old son from prison, she says. Let's move past last night's tweet. You know perfectly well what tweet I'm talking about. I think this is the one with the two wives. This is the worst thing I he's done. And she just goes on and on saying, hey, you know, you're just defending this guy. He's like defending a teenager to try and keep him out of jail. Now, the problem with this, okay, the problem with this is that he now, the mainstream media blew all their credibility on Obama they completely destroyed themselves with obama they were they were done they were finished we saw they buried his scandals they buried his past they never investigated him when when sarah palin was running for vice president they were parachuting guys into alaska you know the new york times was like open up the bottom of a belly of a plane and new york times reporters were compiling out in parachutes you know just trying to find anything they could on sarah palin obama nothing. IRS scandal, nothing. Benghazi, you know, Fox, it's just Fox News is their obsession with the fact that four Americans were killed by terrorists and Obama lied about it. That's, you know, we, we don't investigate small things like that. We're too busy going through Sarah Palin's emails, you know. You got to go through every one of her emails, find out if she ever did anything wrong and find out who, who's really the father of her children? You know, I mean, that is what, so they completely destroyed themselves. They completely destroyed themselves. And Trump is giving them their credibility back. And this is driving me up the wall. You know, he went on, there was a uh, town hall meeting on CNN last night. And Anderson Cooper is the moderator. Anderson Cooper, you know, the, the other day, one of the other debates, right-wing commentators were going, oh, wow, there's Anderson Cooper. Oh, wow, you know, a celebrity. Isn't this great? Oh, what? Anderson Cooper is the guy who first called the tea partiers tea using a you know, a thing that only gay people knew about at the time, <laughs> some weird sexual, you know, thing that gay people knew about. And he, he he called them on air. He called ordinary Americans trying to defend their country, stepping up for their values, peacefully assembling, peacefully going about the, the business of trying to restrain Obama. And he he stuck them with this sexual slur on air. I mean, talk about childish, talk about... And you know, to me, he's a good reporter. I'm not saying he's not. That's one of the things that always bothers me about the New York Times and and all these guys. You know, he's a brave reporter. He'll go out there in the field, but he was he was unfair during Hurricane Katrina. He was unfair to George W. Bush. He is a left wing propaganda monger. Now watch this. He goes on and he challenges Donald Trump on this uh, this show last night, and he challenges him about these these uh, Cruz Heidi Cruz uh, tweets he's sending out.
1: After saying that you were going to spill the beans about Heidi Cruz, you retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife. I thought it was a nice picture of Heidi. I thought it was fine. Come on. I thought it was fine. She's a pretty you're, woman. You're running for president of the excuse United me, excuse States. Excuse me. I didn't start it. Okay, that's, I didn't start uh, it. But, sir, sir, with
0: all due respect, that's the argument of a five year old.
1: I didn't start it. No, it's not the, yeah, no, it's the, the argument, argument of a five year old. Excuse me. You it. would say that. That's the problem with our country. Every parent that's, knows the kid who a says he started. Excuse me.
0: It. I'm sorry. But Anderson Cooper is right. He's right from beginning to end. Trump lies when he says, "Oh, it's a nice picture." You know, I mean, that is a child. What a child! I didn't mean anything. I didn't do anything. You know, it was a nice picture. <laughs> he started it, and and the other thing is, Cruz didn't start it. Cruz had nothing to do with it. It was it wasn't even a pro-Cruz super PAC. It was an a an anti-Trump super PAC. So, all right, Trump's angry. It's his wife and all this stuff. But, but he started, he's making Cooper look good, okay? So now we get to this thing with Lewandowski. There's a video now of Lewandowski, his, uh, Trump's campaign manager, grabbing Michelle Fields, doing exactly, exactly what Michelle Fields said he did. You know, when you read her statement, it, it is an exact description of this. He pulled her back and down. She almost lost her footing, but she didn't. And, and then she said... You know, it's, a campaign manager shouldn't be trying to throw a reporter to the floor. And Trump has been lying about this. He's been openly lying about this. So so all day long, Trump talks about this all day long, because he was now Lewandowski's charged with battery. He perfected this little routine he does where he reads her statement and mocks it. And he does this with, and, and then tries to propose himself as a hero for not firing Lewandowski. He's not going to ruin, this is a guy who's, catchphrase is you're fired, right? He's got, no, no, I'm very loyal, I'm very loyal. So here he does the whole routine for Anderson Cooper on the on the show last night.
1: I'm a loyal person. I'm going to be loyal to the country. I'm going to be loyal to Wisconsin. We have to tell it like it is. It would be so easy for me to terminate this man, ruin his life, ruin his family. He's got four beautiful children in New Hampshire, ruin his whole everything, and say you're fired, okay? I fired many people, especially in The Apprentice. <laughs> But look what she says, Michelle Fields. Who, oh, by the way, she's not a baby, okay? In her own words, exactly, I was jolted backwards. Well, she wasn't, I mean, she's standing there. Someone had grabbed me tightly by the arm, tightly, and yanked me down. She wasn't yanked down. She was, like, she didn't even have any expression. If somebody in this audience gets whacked or gets hurt, including me, you get hit a little bit, you go, wow. There's no, no emotion. Okay, wait a minute. I almost fell to the ground. I almost fell to the ground. She didn't almost fall to the ground. She, he, he got in her way. And by the way, she was grabbing me. Am I supposed to press charges against her? Oh, my arm is... Anderson, my arm is just killing me. It's never been the same. You've suggested you might. Excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't suggest.
2: Well, I, yeah, you I did. Tweeted.
1: No, you no, I tweeted. Well, I, I asked a tweet is a suggestion. Should I press right. charges? Are you going sure. to? Sure. I don't know. Maybe I should, right? Because you know what? She was, she was grabbing me. And just so you understand, she was off base because she went through the Secret Service, she had a pen in her hand, which Secret Service is not liking because they don't know what it is, whether it's a little bomb or whether it's not. So it doesn't concern you that initially, Corey Lewandowski said, I never touched her. Uh, And that turns out not to be true. I don't think he knew her. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so first of all, he's a hero. He, the man is my hero. He's not going. he's got He's a loyal person who's going to stand by Corey Lewandowski. That's that's the first thing. The other thing is Michelle was trying. You know, obviously trying to kill him. You know, this, like, he, this is Mr. Tough guy. This is the guy who went after Jeb Bush every debate. Every debate, it was like you know, oh yeah, Jeb Bush, you're not tough. You're weak. You're not tough. He's scared of Michelle Fields. It's being like being scared of a Hello Kitty. That's like <laughs> Hello Kitty comes up behind you. And you know, the secret. And you notice by the way. He says the Secret Service aren't liking this. The Secret Service couldn't have cared less. The Secret Service knew exactly what she was doing, you know? And it, it's just, you know. And the other thing with her statement, her statement is literally true. It's, it describes everything that happened on the video. What gets me about his defense of her statement is, do you remember the Rodney King defense? Remember those cops beat the living daylights out of Rodney King once he was down on the ground? They just beat the crap out of him. And the defense attorneys went in and they slowed the video down to frame by frame. And they showed it to the jury frame by frame. And they said, you see, he's, he made a little micro move there. That's what they were reacting to. You see, now you see that he was actually making a threatening move. (laughs) He's down on the ground and there's four or five cops. It's like, I don't care how slow you show that video. They're beating the crap out of a suspect who's on the ground, you know, and that's what he's doing there. You know, oh, you know, she, he's slowing everything down exaggerating what michelle said michelle was telling you know telling what happened her experience of what happened the guy has no business grabbing a female reporter or even a man. He has no business grabbing anybody. And by the way, Corey Lewandowski has has been accused of this stuff before. Now, we don't have any, I don't have any proof or anything, but he's been accused of, of yelling at women, of calling them terrible names, of calling them up in the middle of the night drunk and, and making passes at them. He has a plus, plus he hires a defense attorney. Now that he's been charged with battery, he hires a defense attorney. Named Kendall Coffey, one of the guys in this in this group is named Kendall Coffey, and he's a former U.S. attorney. But it turns out he had to quit the U.S. attorney's office because he was in a strip club back in the nine late 90s. He's in a strip club, tried to kiss one of the strippers, and ended up biting her. <laughs> okay, so they throw him out of the club, and then Kendall Coffee goes and gets his dad to pay the bill so they don't sue him or anything like that. And then he, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I take it back. Kendall Coffey paid the bill himself with a credit card. He paid, it was like a $900 bill for breaking up the joint. He, he pays a $900 bill. Then he sends his daddy in to buy the receipt so nobody finds out about it. And of course, at this point, the stripper's husband figures out that this guy wants to hide his name. He must be somebody, somebody important. So eventually, Coffey is forced to leave the U.S. Attorney's Office and go into independent practice. He's the guy who's defending him. I'd like to hear Trump defend Kendall Coffey, you know, like this, well, the stripper was trying to pull his teeth out with her face, you know? It's like, so this is, these are these these reptiles who've taken over our party. All right, let us pause here for a moment and just talk about your privacy. Let's Let's talk about you. Enough about us. Let's talk about you. Enough about Donald Trump. Let's talk about your privacy. How do you protect your privacy from all these companies that want to scan your emails so they can advertise the stuff you want and pepper your computer with uh, their advertisements? How do you stop the government from just collecting every possible thing? I mean, now they've actually themselves cracked the Apple iPhone in ways that Apple doesn't even know about. So these guys are are very serious. The government is very serious about gathering information. But you can take your privacy back by getting an email address at Reagan.com. You get your name at Reagan.com. That will be your email address, your name at Reagan.com. And you not only get to proudly share President Reagan's name with every email you send, you also know your emails will never be scanned or shared with third parties. Now, you can get this email address by going to reaganprivacy.com, reaganprivacy.com. You can get your personal private email address, and if you do it now, you get two free bonus months. Go to reaganprivacy.com and get a safe, secure email address. All right. So back to this. Back to this incredible. I, I mean, I can't believe. I cannot believe. On a in a week, you know, in a time when terrorists are attacking us, when terrorists are attacking the West, when they're attacking people, you know, they're targeting women and children in Pakistan, and and bragging about it. Oh yeah, we targeted women and children because they were Christians. You know, oh, nothing wrong with that. That's good. Good idea. You know, thanks. So thanks for letting us know what you are. I cannot believe that this is how Donald Trump commands. Commandeers the airwaves. I mean, it speaks to a certain degree about the cheapness and the celebrity culture of our uh, of our news media. That this is they can't stop covering it. I mean, I don't I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Given the business as it is, they can't stop covering this kind of story. I mean, that this happened in the 80s when the news business changed from serious news. I was there. I was in the news business when this happened. And bosses would come in and say, stop covering the budget, start covering sex. They would tell you that. They would just say, you know, what, what are people going to be talking about? I, I got into f- the last screaming argument I ever got into with anybody with any, as an adult person was in back in the 80s when a guy told me to stop covering stories that mattered and start covering stories that people talk about, you know, and I just said, that's not my job. And we got into a screaming argument. Well, I was just a bump in the road of this wave because it was coming in whether I did anything about it or not. And that now they are stuck with Donald Trump. They have to cover Donald Trump. And this is the way he uses it. You know, in this in this uh, story, um, Ted Cruz came out yesterday and they asked him about, the, the same question you know what would you do with Corey Lewandowski and his his answer was so sane that you almost didn't didn't notice it have you got that it was I think the, the first one
2: if he was your campaign manager would you ask him to resign of course I, look it, it shouldn't be complicated that, that members of the campaign staff should not be physically assaulting the press I mean I mean that Th- that shouldn't be a complicated decision. You, I mean, he says he's innocent of all the charges. Uh, well, Do you believe it was assault? Uh, you know, he's, he's just been charged. I know that the reporter alleged that she was physically assaulted. That that I will say it's consistent with the pattern of the Trump campaign. Where you they, think it says something about the campaign itself, uh, it, about the, the leadership? The culture of the campaign has been a campaign built on attacks, on insults, and and I think there is no place in politics for for insults for personal attacks for going to the gutter and and there should be no place for physical violence either <laughs>
0: that's boring don't just yeah. talk some common sense and the truth stop that I, I, you know that's not news if I, if, you know if that were news we would cover it i mean this is you know what this reminds me of there's this this website i've mentioned it before it is the stupidest website on the internet it's called everyday feminism I love this. I was talking about that book I'm reading where the fem- the author wouldn't come on, and she was nasty to me when I asked her to come on and debate this book. I'm reading this book about teenage girls, and she actually mentions as an authority everyday feminism. I thought, oh, wow, the stupidest website on the net, and you're mentioning it. They had a story that I, I tweeted this out. The story was called Four Reasons Why Demanding Objectivity in Social Justice Debates Can Be Oppressive. So If you demand ob- objectivity in the facts, let me just read you just a little bit of this. In her book, Black Feminist Thought, (laughs) is is that an oxymoron, black feminist thought? I don't know. Patricia Hill Collins gives a brilliant explanation of how positivism, a school of thought that values objectivity and provable arguments, you don't want those objectivity and provable, a school of thought that values objectivity and provable arguments benefits white men most. Okay. Maybe because white men are right, but no, that's not it. She points out that black feminists and womanists have developed an alternative form of thought, a way of understanding knowledge that she refers to as black feminist thought at the risk of oversimplification. and I'm not sure you could oversimplify this, but at the risk of oversimplification, black feminist thought centers the lived experience of marginalized people. It argues that subjectivity is valuable because people's lived experiences are valuable, because people's spoken truths are in and of themselves truths. Let me repeat that. People's spoken truths are in and of themselves truths. Sometimes emotions are just as important as facts. We are becoming these people. Donald Trump is turning us into these people. You know, I I hate to, I, I hate to attack people that I like, you know, the people that I respect. I mean, first of all, I've already lost all my liberal friends, you know, (laughs) they already think I've gone over to the dark side. You know, I, you know, you're hanging out with Ted Cruz. Oh, you're hanging out with Jesus Christ. Stop. You know, they hate that stuff. And now, now it's conservatives who are writing me. This is awful. It's awful. You know, but last night, Hannity has Trump on, which he has like every other minute he has trump on and he sa- and Hannity says, "I watched this video a hundred times, and i don 't see anything. <laughs> I thought really, did you watch it with your eyes open you know it's like we've turned into these people we don 't want we don't want the truth, we want what we believe you know we want believe and and you know it it does blend in uh, it does lead into the idea of terrorism the way we respond to terrorism because isn't this what the left is doing? Like in in our opening when I was talking about they don't want to say call Islamic terrorism Islamic terrorism. It's the same thing, you know. They think they are virtuous. They think they're being virtuous by just not speaking the truth they have this feeling of virtue that trumps the facts they have a feeling of virtue that trumps the facts, just like trump's followers have a feeling of empowerment that trumps what is actually going on and it degrades you it degrades you when you follow people instead of ideas and when you instead of principles when you follow people eventually you because all of us fail because all of us do bad things when you attach your hook your wagon to the star of a human being when you you know allow princes, basically, when you put your faith in princes, you're eventually going to degrade yourself because eventually you're going to have to make excuses for that guy, just like you make excuses for yourself. You know, that's how you get yourself in trouble when you don't say, oh, I was wrong. I did the wrong thing. I got to back down. I got to change. I got to make changes in my life. When you don't say that, you say, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. That's how you go down over the falls, you know, and we do that with other people, too, when we attach our, when we hook our wagon to their stars. Listen to Ted Cruz. Another really good moment he had yesterday was when Anderson Cooper tried to get him to back down on this idea that we should patrol Muslim neighborhoods and Cruz just refused. I mean, this is the the mainstream media cannot stand to hear the sound of the simple truth. So here's Cruz standing up for this.
2: Listen, if you want to stop radical Islamic terrorism, the answer isn't to go hang out in random neighborhoods. It is instead to focus on communities where radicalization is a risk. And I'll tell you what Europe has done. Europe has followed the path that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton want to put us on. The the, the tragedies, these terror attacks in Europe are a result of failed immigration policies where they've allowed vast numbers of Islamic terrorists to come into Europe and they're in communities that are isolated, they're called no-go communities where the law enforcement doesn't engage in those communities. One in Brussels, Molenbeek, has been a particular incubator for radical Islamic terrorism. Many of these terrorist plots trace back to Molenbeek. And my point is very simple. America should not make the mistakes of Europe. We should not disengage. We should have law enforcement actively engaged to stop radicalization before it stops. And I recognize that the media and the Democrats hate it when someone actually describes who the enemy is.
0: (laughs) They they hate to hear the, the sound of truth. It hurts. It hurts my ears, the sound of truth. You know, you don't think this matters. If you don't think this matters, Listen to this from Politico. Remember in, in Belgium, in Brussels, they busted Salah Abdeslam, who engineered the Paris attacks. And then that set off the bombing in Brussels because they realized that the security forces were moving in on them. And they wanted to do their killing fat before they got caught. This is what happened when they arrested Salah Abdeslam. He got, he got shot in the, during the arrest. Belgium, this is from Politico. Belgian law enforcement officials questioned terror sus- suspect, Salah Abdeslam, for about one hour between the time of his arrest on Friday and the Brussels attacks Tuesday, okay, so between Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, they bust this guy who is a major, major terror suspect who is deep, Im- embedded deep into the culture of terrorism in Brussels, and they question him for one hour between Friday and Tuesday, okay? Okay. The session Saturday at a prison in Bruges yielded no information about the imminent threat because the prosecutors started chronologically and focused first on Amdislam's involvement in last November's Paris terror attack. So they were going in chronological order. They questioned him for one hour. They never got around to questioning him about what was going to happen next, all right? Despite the discovery of detonators. Weapons and Abdeslam's fingerprints in a safe house days earlier, and growing evidence that the Brussels terror network was stronger than previously understood. Law enforcement officials only briefly questioned Abdeslam because he was still recovering from surgery after being shot in the leg during his apprehension. Okay. Here's a quote. He seemed very tired, and he had been operated on the day before, said an official, adding that law enforcement officials did not question him again before Tuesday. He was tired. He was tired. The terrorist was tired, so he didn't want to question him. I mean, it's like, it's like a willed blindness, but at least everyone felt good about themselves, you know? I mean, that's the important thing, as long as everybody feels good about themselves. Look... We're your friends. We are Melvin your friends here at The Daily Wire. We are telling you that when it sounds like thuggery, when it sounds like fascism, when it sounds like dishonesty, it probably is. Stop cheering. Stop, you know, pumping your fist in the air. Remember who you are. You're an American. Remember who you are. You know, and come back here and listen to your friends. I have to pause before I do stuff I like and just say a quick farewell to Patty Duke, who died at 69. She was uh, the mother of Sean Astin, who you know from uh, the the uh, Lord of the Rings movies. He was Samwise Gamgee, and in her time, you know, she's probably she was probably pretty forgotten by the time she died. But in her time, she started out as a young actress. She was in a movie called The Miracle Worker, which I I recommend. It's a very very conservative movie. It's about the, it's the light a play based on a play about the life of Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf, and so they brought in this woman Annie Sullivan to teach her. And she was living like an animal. She was they didn't know what to do with her, they felt bad for her, so they wanted to be nice to her. It was a very, very left wing approach. and they let her live like an animal. And Annie Sul- Sullivan took her over and taught her, you know, the sign language and to speak and all this. And of course, she became Helen Keller, became one of the great advocates for the blind patty duke also had terrible problems she was a she went on to do a television show that back in the i don't know when it was on the 60s probably 70s uh the patty duke show where she played two sisters and this was two cousins who were identical and it was, it was a big deal you know you could actually see the line when she was on screen at the same time you could see the line because the special effects were so bad but that was a very popular show and then she cracked up she had uh, bipolar disorder and nobody knew it she'd had a very abusive uh, upbringing And when she finally got uh, cured of that, when they finally gave her some treatment for that, she became an advocate for the mentally, for mental health. She became an advocate for mental health and um, died at 69. Anyway, we just thought we'd say so long to her. Stuff I like, I've been doing... Nonfiction that's good for conservatives to read. And here is a basic one, The Looming Tower by Lawrence Wright. Especially if you ever go on The Hugh Hewitt Show, the other thing he's always asking people is, have you read The Looming Tower? And if you haven't, like, he'll almost cut you off, you know. like, like He feels that this is the bottom line. The Looming Tower is about how al-Qaeda came to be. So, And the reason it's so important is you can see that everything the left says about these people is untrue. It's not us. It's not because of us. It's because of what they believe and how they react to each other and what their what their culture created. And it's not, Lawrence Wright is not, he's a New Yorker writer. I think he's not a right-wing writer or anything. It's just the facts. It's a very, very well-researched book. But it takes you back to the beginning of how this movement got started. And it really, it's really important because this is going to be, we're always in a battle with somebody. We used to be the Soviets. Then we had 10 years when we pretended we weren't in a battle with anybody. It's going to be these guys you know, the the Muslim terrorists are going to be around for a long, long time. And so you might as well find out who they are. It's very readable, very intelligent, very factual. The Looming Tower by Lawrence Wright. Okay. Piece of business. First of all, I'm not going to be here next week. So please, the Wisconsin primary is coming. Don't let things spin out of control. I have to go to New York. I have to do some business there. I'll be meeting with publishing people, which means I'm going to come back hungover like crazy. So, so I'm trusting you all to take care of things. Also, do, do you know my email address here? Is it? A Claven at the Daily Wire. Does anybody know what it is? No? All right. Well, we'll check it. I'll check it and I'll come back tomorrow. Remind me, I'll come back tomorrow just in case anybody actually wants to get in touch with me. You can find you know, I'll I'll give you a, uh, an address tomorrow. That'll be it. That'll be our last show for a week. So listen to it again and again. Cherish it. Go back. Listen to the old ones. Tell your friends. Bring them here. We want you, we want to save you from yourselves. <laughs> this is Andrew Claven. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is the Andrew Clavin Show. We'll be back again tomorrow i <laughs>